welcome to the USF Oracle Sports Podcast. Where we talk sports with some of USF's best athletes, coaches, and all-around great human beings. My name is Nolan Brown. And I'm Hannah Halili. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Virtually After the USF ECU Homecoming Game. Uh, 44-24 final score. Not in USF's favor. Um, I know last year that score was flipped a little bit uh, in USF's favor. Kind of similar score, but not the case at Raymond James Stadium. Um, I'm joined today by Richard and Matthew, and we're also joined by Trevor. Uh, Trevor, welcome to the pod. Um, just want to share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Trevor Weimer. Uh, I'm a senior at USF. I'll be graduating in uh, May with a degree in broadcast journalism. And I hope to cover the Green Bay Packers after I graduate. I would like to uh, cover sports in general for uh, journalism. Cool. Well, thank you, Trevor. Uh, we're pretty happy to have you on board and uh, pretty happy to dissect this game, no matter how bad it was. Um, I want to talk first, and I did this last week, but I want to start off by talking about quarterbacks or I guess the quarterback. Um, Jordan McLeod was the guy that USF decided, hey, we want to run with this guy for 90% of the game, really. And um, he fared pretty well. Uh, looking at his line here on the other screen, 26 of 35 for 298 yards. Um, I think his previous highest was 269, I want to say, just off the top of my head, um, at Cincinnati last year. You know, it's a great showing from him, but the offense didn't really sort of keep up that sort of momentum that that he had, uh, really. What do y'all think went wrong with that? I mean, I know, of course, their blitz was incredibly strong. Uh, McLeod was sacked four times during the game. And also you had Noah Johnson in the end there who was sacked once. He only played for like three or four minutes. Um, what just what went wrong uh, for that offense? I don't think the coach really trusted Jordan real, real early on in the game. It felt like when they fell behind, they would start throwing the ball like deep down the field and like it was working. But like in the, like when the games were closed or like when they finally got a score, they would go back to screens and runs. And it's like you're down 14, 21 points. You kind of need to throw the ball down the field, throw these little three-yard screens. Or it's not going to help you get back in the game. <clears throat> and when they did throw that, the ball down the field, they did well. So I think they just – I don't know. Obviously, I know there's that article saying they don't really – they don't have like a quarterback yet. Like they're still looking. I feel like it kind of showed in the game plan early on. Yeah, and you talked about um, the ECU pass rush, and obviously they're like a high-blitzing team. But it is concerning because like, this was the first game that the whole offensive line, like what was supposed to be at the beginning of the season, had played. And, I mean, they struggled a little bit. And I think Jeff Scott spoke about it in the post-game press conference, and he said that you, we got to remember it's the first game they played together, and it's against ECU, who, like he said, blitzes on a lot of downs. But it's... Definitely something to keep an eye on if some of the younger guys that played in the first few weeks will eventually move up and take the starting roles. Um, I think a little bit was game planning. You knew they were going to blitz a lot, so that middle was going to be wide open. And there were just were not a lot of passes down the middle. I mean, we could easily just throw in slants all game, and it just didn't happen. And it's tough to use, like, oh, it's their first game, and it's against ECU because Joey Knight tweeted out, this was our most winnable game left. So it, it's a little bit nervous, like, that these guys, 
I understand like everyone's back and healthy. It's their first game, but we have to realize that this was probably the easiest team left. I was talking to my dad about that. You know, we were favored to win this game and then to lose by 20. Does this kind of confirm we're the worst team in the American, like through four weeks or four games for us? Um, unfortunately, I, I would I would say so. Um, but we're a lot more of a work in progress than a lot of other teams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess you can call this technically the worst, uh, call USF the, the worst team of the conference. But um, yeah, you're you're in the early stages of, of your work in progress. I mean, you see that year zero thrown out so many times and ECU is being built up from, you know, basically not much really. And um, they're kind of more along in that process. Um, so whoever can kind of get to that race first, but... Richard, that's interesting that you bring up the the offensive line because that was really the next point that I wanted to get to. Um, having those guys, that be your first choice uh, back, I guess I can kind of understand Jeff Scott's reasoning. Yeah, it is their first game back too, but and they haven't had as much practice in and out. Um, but he said, you know what, they're going to get better. And yes, that could be the case, but at the same time, from what we've seen last year from the offensive line, wasn't the case a lot of the time. Do you guys think that, yes, this offensive line that he wants to go with, the guys that we saw last night, can continue to be that sort of offensive line and think that they can get better? I mean, you would hope that through, you know, as the games go on and continuity progresses, that they would start to work better together. And, I mean, I guess you could look at it from two ways. Like I said, one, ECU is like a high blitz team, so... That might be why they struggled. But then to Matt's point, ECU was probably the most winnable game left on their schedule. So, yeah, I don't know. How are the other pass rushes in the future games going to stack up against um, against ECU? Jumping back real quick, actually, to quarterbacks. Um, I don't want to ping pong back and forth, but um, a thought just came into my head uh, about how Jeff Scott wanted to basically, he wanted to have his quarterbacks be guys that throw downfield. I mean, that's what he said um, after the Cincinnati game. He wants guys with arm strength and with accuracy too. And we've already said you can't teach arm strength. You can teach accuracy, that's for sure. But a lot of those plays last night that McLeod made, I think maybe, I don't know, one or two were just straight up the gut. Um a lot of them were slant plays and, you know, quick little dumps basically here and there. Uh, knowing that information and knowing what USF wants to do, and also just knowing the the output that Jordan McLeod put out last night, do y'all think that he is uh, he's the guy going forward just based on that? I know Jeff, someone asked that post game and he said, well, I got to review the tape, but I'm pretty sure he had his uh, he had his decision in mind after that. But. Do y'all think he's the guy? Uh, during last week's pod, I talked about that. Like you said, that if you put a gun to my head and told me to pick somebody, who would I pick? I said McLeod. And he did play well, but I don't know. Maybe it's because the team struggled as a whole. I just I just feel like he he didn't show anything that would like confirm in my head, like, yeah, he's the guy moving forward. He definitely played well, and like you take that into account. But I don't know if I'm comfortable saying, like, yeah, he's the guy for the next what seven games yeah he was uh he was decent he was good i mean he he you know we put points up on the board when he was under center but well like it wasn't like 
this guy was insane. Like he's like he's a definite starter. Just was not there. I think he should be. Uh, he played well when they gave him the opportunity to throw down the field. I think it really just comes down to uh, game planning and how they executed their uh, their game plan. To be honest, you know, I I see that, and I, I see that McLeod obviously has struggled a bit to throw it downfield. Um, he's gotten some chances to do that, and sometimes he has uh, made it happen. But um, in the past couple of games, we've seen. A reliance mainly on on rushing. That that's that was you know the main way that you were gonna get moved down the field basically. But um, in this past game, you saw 306 receiving yards. Uh, Latrell Williams, eight catches for 93 yards. You know, quite a display from your receiver core. Whereas before, we were thinking, is this team gonna gonna stick to its strength, which is gonna be that rushing sort of offense? Um, but now we're seeing that hey. The receivers can actually do stuff. Um, they are pretty decent when you give them a good look. Is that kind of affect how USF is going to build this offense? Or are they just going to still kind of, you know, go back and forth between, hey, are we going to run this game? Or are we going to pass this game? Or how do we think this, uh, this offense is going to be set up going forward, knowing what we've seen all season and then knowing what we saw uh, last night? I think this is kind of like what Jeff Scott's always wanted. He always talked about like stretching the ball down the field, throwing the ball down the field. We need to do that more. We need to do that more. And oh, it's hard because Matthew said you have to play like last week. He said you have to play to your team's strengths, and he's right. But I don't know. Ultimately, I feel like it's up to um, obviously like you know the whole coaching staff, Coach Weiss, and everything. But if this is what Coach Scott wants, I feel like this is what we're gonna see because the receivers definitely have the talent, even. From like Randall St. Felix to Dukes um, to Williams and even young guys like um, Omarion Dollison, who's a freshman, he had the 52-yard catch. So I, you know they're talented, and I think that's what Jeff Scott wants. I think it comes down to like who you play. Obviously, like uh, Richard said, like you have to play to your team's strengths. So like obviously, if you play a team that has like elite coverage and like you just can't get any separation with your receivers on the corners, then you're probably going to run it. Like if you play a team that has really good defensive linemen and linebackers who are just going to smother the, the line of scrimmage and you're going to have to throw it down the field. So I just it comes down to like what your team, what your opponent's really good at and what they what they're not good at. As far as like, are we going to move more towards a wide receiver and start throwing the football? Again, I would say no. I think there's just too much talent at the running game to really move away. It's not our wide receivers aren't good enough. It's our running backs are too good. But I think this is a sign that we can throw it if we need to, for the most part. Obviously, the deep ball is still not there with McLeod. So that's, that's got to that's gotta get fixed, especially because there's going to be a good chance that we're going to be down in some of these games and we're going to have to fight our way back. But, you know, for the time being, it's definitely definitely a positive that we can kind of throw the ball more than we have been. Yeah, and I mean, I keep thinking of of Cade Fortin too, and just the cannon that he has. Um, interestingly, he was listed in the three spot um, for quarterbacks this week. Like we said, we want to basically make a, a sort of Frankenstein quarterback where we want to take different parts of of each guy and just put it into one. Um, are we worried that um, just this is kind of thinking overall about? college football and whatnot but 
um, in terms of guys wanting to, you know, if they don't get their playing time, then they want to dip out, basically. Um, are we worried that if USF says, hey, you know what, publicly saying, hey, this is our guy, uh, this is our guy going forward, are we worried that, you know, some of the backups are going to say, hey, you know what, I don't want to play at the school anymore. Or some of the freshmen might say, hey, you know what, I don't want to play here anymore. I mean, we've seen it with some guys in the past who, you know, just, uh, you know, running backs, receivers, whatnot, just offensive guys who aren't getting the, maybe the reps that they want to have. Um, is, it, is that a worry going into having these these quarterbacks who are all in contention? No, I'm not worried. Uh, because number one, this is Charlie Strong's guys. Number two, next man up. That, that's going to happen in football. If if you're a college coach, you need to understand that this is going to happen. Uh, USF just lost Eddie McDoom, talented, talented, talented wide receiver. Like I, I talked to Coach Dye in the spring, and I was telling him, like you got to play, you got to play McDoom. McDoom is the man. And when I saw that he was sitting out, I, I was heartbroken because I love I love the way he plays. But yeah, next man up. Uh, Jeff Scott's gonna recruit his guys. He's gonna bring in his guys. So you know, by next season, there's gonna be another quarterback that that's gonna be ready to play. I think I think you can't keep like players in limbo. Like if like Jordan goes through a week and he doesn't know if he's gonna start, how is he gonna have any confidence when he goes out on the field to play? Like. How is he going to – like, then he's not going to believe that the coaches believe in him as in his abilities. So I think you have to publicly come out and say, yes, this is our guy. We plan on going forward with him for the next seven, eight games or whatever we have left, and you just have to live with the results. If players leave because they're not playing, they're going to leave. Like, you just can't put players in limbo because you can't play Jordan one week and then the backup the next week and just be like, oh, we're just – it's a makeshift depth chart. Like, I mean, you have to let – someone has to know that it's their job and it's their job to lose. Yeah, I I think that's a good point. Um, and to add on to Matthews, that these none of these guys are necessarily like Jeff Scott's guys. And ultimately, next year he's gonna pull in somebody that he believes in either, probably not to start as a freshman, but maybe as a sophomore or a redshirt freshman to um, to build around. So I don't know the guys that they have on the team now. They could definitely compete, but Jeff Scott's gonna bring in his guys eventually. Hmm. I want to switch gears um, just for a minute and look at the defense, really, because, I mean, this is something that throughout last year was decent at times, um, really good at times, and then just kind of dropped off a bit, too. But um, in the past couple of games, they haven't really been at their best. And of course, I mean, you play Cincinnati one week and then you play uh, Notre Dame the other week. You're going to have a little bit of a hard time. Um but looking at what ECU put up last night, 432 yards, 222 passing yards, and uh, 210 rushing yards. I mean, of course, you're going to have you have guys that are missing, too. We saw Antonio Greer play a little bit. Then he got hit and went down. Um, I can't remember if he actually came back into the game toward the end. Um, but you kind of have that makeshift sort of crew with um, with linebackers and somewhat of your defensive line as well. Um, looking to it, interestingly enough, they started Mac Harris and Chris Townsell, two freshmen who at Cincinnati were quite impressive, honestly, um, against them. But 
I think it was Chris Townsell on, it was what, that 75-yard dash who just, I mean, he pulled, I think he pulled a hamstring or something, but he really just got, you know, burned on that play. Um, whereas, I mean, this the, the pass defense was, was pretty good um, in the start of the season, but against DCU, it looked really shaky. Is that a worry uh, that you guys see going uh, into next week and just even looking later on down the line with the season, or is it that just uh, Jeff Scott's philosophy of, I just want to rotate guys in and out? You can't expect it. it no matter how good the defense is, if your offense keeps going three and out or getting turnovers, like, I mean, you could have a key to leave and like Richard Sherman, um, obviously they're NFL players, but you could have like elite level players on like the back end and defensive linemen. But I mean, if you're having to play the whole game, like you're going to get tired. Like you just can't cover people forever. So the offense obviously has to do better of at least scoring points and obviously having long staying drives so guys on the defensive end can go on the bench and get water, drink, and rehydrate and just rest. Like you just can't play a three-hour game and you spend two hours of it playing defense full speed. Yeah, and I think uh, I think they definitely missed Bentley Sanders this week. And uh, I think because against Cincinnati – what USF turned the ball over five times and the defense still only gave up 21 points. But I think the difference was that they created a lot of turnovers against Cincinnati and they didn't this week. So yeah, I don't know. I feel, I, I, it's, I feel like it's definitely going to be up and down for them for the majority of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Trevor, I would agree with you, but this week was defense. It was all defense. Like I'm, this, this was the blame. Blame was on defense. You can't let up that many points and expect to win. Um, we we just could not get off the field for defense. We just could not force three and out. They just moved the ball constantly up and down the field. We couldn't contain that quarterback at all. Pass rush was sloppy because that, that kid was breaking out all the time. He was either taken off or he'd roll out and just, just bomb it. So... There's not really a whole lot you can say. I mean, yeah, Bentley Sanders definitely missed him. Definitely missed uh, Boyles. But at the end of the day, you still can't give up that many points to arguably the worst team in the conference. No, I think it was the uh, just ECU playing in a stadium with the pirate ship in it. I think that's what kind of gave them just a little bit of some mojo, you know. And I don't know, maybe it was their good luck charm, but... Yeah, I mean, you lose against ECU, and I remember at this point last season when they USF was playing ECU, it was about toward the, the tail end of the season, so you weren't playing them right away. But, um, you know, just the, the dichotomy of looking at the beginning of the season where USF had a lot of promises. Of course, it was a completely different era, and um, just looking at that game where you're, it was a, it was a must win really. And it just kind of seemed like a, a time of desperation really against ECU. And then now you play them early on and, and, and people, people still remember that. I mean, they still remember that game and, and it was a big win really for them. Um, and Jeff Scott even addressed this. He said, just, just don't give up basically on this team. And that's you know, a little cheesy, but it's a little bit of coach speak, but I mean, it's a fair point don't give up on this team. I mean, you've only played a few games of the season, um, but it is against traditionally, well, I guess now without UConn in the conference, traditionally considered one of the worst teams in the conference. Um, just 
going forward, do you think that hurts USF's image um, in terms of what the players think and maybe what the fans think too? Or are they just kind of putting their head down and like, you know what, this year is is going to be how it is and uh, it's it's just going to be full of, like like you were saying, Richard, ups and, up and downs. I, I hope this, like, I hope, like, if, like, the team goes, like, one and eight or year, or, like, how many games does it call? Is it 10 games in a college football season? I think this uh, season is, like... we're. I think we have 10, depending on whether or not we uh, try to reschedule the game with FAU. If we so do, I, then it's 11. So if we go, like, one and nine, one and 10, I just hope that, like, the fans and, like, the media and, like, the boosters don't try to get Jeff Scott, like, out of the program. Like, it's year one. My always, biggest concern with, like, teams that kind of stuck the first year with the coach is that, like... There, it's such a revolving door in college football. Like there, like there's no patience for teams. Like to, like they're already trying to get like uh, Ed Gorgon out of um out of LSU. Like he just won a national championship. They're already playing about him. Like you have to give coaches time to like get their guys and develop chemistry. Like you just can't. <clears throat> I'm just worried. Like they're going to try to get him out of here if like this team sucks all this year and like halfway through next year. What concerns me the most about struggling is like you said image with the fans, but not just the fans but also like the recruits like i was i was actually talking to my friends about this the other day the hardest thing about college football is there is no draft so there's no benefit of being bad like you don't get the top pick in the country you have to rely on your recruiting and when you're bad why would the top recruits want to come to your school so i think that's what i'm worried about the most uh my only thing is with that mo if i was a high school athlete and I know it's USF and they don't look good in the media and whatnot, but if I knew of Jeff Scott and where he came from, I would be interested. I'd be intrigued. You're coming <laughs> off how many national championships with Clemson. It, it, you're right. The The team sucks right now. There's, there's, there's no way around it. Like, there's just, you know. But, I mean, this is a brand-new coaching staff. Your defensive coordinator last year led a team with the most with the most turnovers in the entire country. FAU too. It's not even like it was a Power Five school. Yeah, it it looks good. The team the team overall, at least the coaching staff looks good. The team overall still needs to get acquitted to everything, right? We lost our our spring game. We lost all of that. Jeff Scott still hasn't been able to go out and recruit. The dead period is still currently going. <laughs> I've been trying to get my kids recruited and. Every time I try to talk with college coaches, they're like, we can't talk, dead period. So, no, there's a lot going on right now. But I think once he gets the ball rolling, I think they'll be in a decent position. We've seen a lot of, like, not bad, bad college teams. We've seen a lot of struggling college teams kind of turn around once they once they get that head coach. Uh, one guy that I've always admired uh, and learned from was P.J. Fleck. Fleck has turned around Western Michigan and Minnesota really, really fast. So, you know, we just got to be able to buy in for the Jeff Scott era for at least three to four years once he gets his team. And then we're going to see where he goes from. If he doesn't succeed from there, then I agree. I'd say he's out. Uh, no, yeah, I definitely, like, I agree with you that if they they see where Jeff Scott comes from and stuff, my concern is, like, for instance, like USC used to be like a powerhouse in the past however many years they've struggled. And I forgot what quarterback it was, but someone from California, like from SoCal, left. I, I don't know. His name is slipping my brain and where he went is slipping my head. 
but he left. And I remember I was listening to Colin Coward talk about it, actually. And he's like, that guy should have been a USC kid. And he's not because they struggled. So I'm just worried that if, you know, they went seven and six two years ago. Last year was rough. This year is probably going to be rough. I'm just concerned if it if it's, that starts to sustain itself, we're going to lose a lot of guys to, um, in Florida to the UCFs and uh, UFs of the world. Yeah, and I mean, that's a great example looking at USC. I mean, if you look, well, just really with USF, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, a younger program really, but at one point it was number two in the nation um, way back whenever. And obviously recruits as they come and years go by, that's not going to be in, in the front of their minds. It's going to be, hey, this is the team. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but looking at USF schedule this year, they don't have many uh, quote unquote winnable games. So obviously this is a, a crazy year where pretty much anything can happen. Um, but recruits are going to look at USF if it comes to this and say, Hey, they're the school that went, you know, one in 10 or one in nine uh, in, in 2020. And of course you got to look at it through that COVID lens too, but still that's going to be fresh in your mind. Um, so yeah. Uh, giving time basically to your coaches has been the theme i guess on on these sort of reaction pods and um yeah like we've we've basically been saying this whole time uh you got to give your coach time and and that goes for fans that goes for i guess recruits too um fans recruits players uh just across the board but yeah we're uh, we're running out of time so your final score, 44-24 ECU. Um, Pirates plunder the pirate ship at Raymond James Stadium. Um, they take all the loot on homecoming. Uh, yeah, so... Um, we'll every every what... team that plays in Raymond James Stadium uh, loots the boat. For the Bucks, the Bulls, that always happens. <laughs> they just... They, they can't hold on to their booty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, it's over now. No yeah. cracking jokes. I'm, I'm cracking jokes. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll catch you all next week. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or really wherever you listen to your pods. And while you're at it, be sure to follow us on Twitter at USF Oracle Sports. Special thanks to Casito and Jordan Garcia for the intro and outro music.